What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this first show of the month of August, the year 2021, August the 4th to be exact, here on this Wednesday program. Nice to have you with us. Got a lot to talk about here uh, on this midweek program to kick off the month of August. Get into Carson Wentz and his foot injury and the situation with him and the Indianapolis Colts here at the top. Uh, give you my a couple of, give you my two cents on a Bengals training camp um as we are what about a little less than a week into training camp 2021 for my beloved uh, Cincinnati Bengals um NBA free agency stuff I want to get to, things I want to discuss there with NBA free agency uh later in the program and then of course and I promised you all this uh I promised you all this uh, last time we chatted, I will get into and tell and give a, and provide a little recap of my uh, day with uh, Dog and Colin Russo last Wednesday in uh, in my great city of uh, Baltimore. We get two shows. I get two shows here this first week, August, a show today, a show on Saturday the 7th, and then take a little hiatus, you know, I'm and I'm typically the one that, you know, you have to work a, you have to work a certain amount of time and have to bust your ass a certain amount away in order for you to warrant a, uh, a lengthy vacation, but considering I've, that I've, you know, typically in years past, you know, I've taken a, I've, somewhere down the line, I've taken a blow uh, as far as uh, it taking a little bit of time off but I and if I go back and look at the uh, go back and look at the shows that I do not think that I have you know I've there have been days where I haven't done a show because of well with Mad Dog I was with Mad Dog last Wednesday or the equipment screws me over but I have not taken a quote-unquote break slash vacation um literally since it's been such a long time um i've been pedal to the metal with these damn podcasts since uh let's see since i mm, have to go all the way back till um wow um jeez i have not you have to go all the way back, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm, I'm no, uh, you know, I'm no hero, but I have not ta- I have not uh, done a either a mini vacation or taken some time off of this program since. You have to go all the way back till. Uh, let's see, let's see. You have to go all the way back to. Uh, the break that I took between February and May of 2019 was the last time that I took a little blow. And he said, ever since then, it's just been full. It's been even, I was with y'all throughout COVID when the world was shut down, talking about the last dance. And of course, this time last year when sports was starting back up again. So I was here for you all throughout the NBA playoffs, staying with you all through the month of July. Um, now we take a little bit of a rest period here. 
as you will not hear me on Wednesday, on August the 11th, the 14th, the 18th, the 21st, or the 25th, and you will hear me, uh, and you will, sorry about that, and you will hear me again uh, after this upcoming Saturday, the last Saturday of the month, uh, on August the 28th, as we look ahead to the uh, football season and hopefully by then I'll have a college home next time I talk to you guys and we will be for the uh, for my uh, sophomore year at the minimum and then we'll be on our way um but first things first where we begin is with Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts Carson Wentz the starting quarterback uh, for your Indianapolis Colts ended up hurting his foot um, during training camp, I mean, I, every single time I turn around with Car is with Carson Wentz, it's always something. I mean, whether it's the AC, whether it's an ACL injury, whether it's an ACL injury in 2017, the concussion in the Seahawks playoff game a few years ago. I mean, every single time, every single time I turn around, is something new with Carson Wentz and him getting injured. I mean, I, I I swear, I mean, this guy is this guy is. I mean, if he if he He's as fragile as a freaking as a freaking cardboard as a freaking cardboard box in a rainstorm. I mean, he's he's like I mean he's he's as fragile he's as fragile as 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 a, as a bunch of as a bunch of uh, dining room china. Every single time you turn around, Carson Wentz is getting banged up, banged around, and is injured and has to go through some sort of surgery and miss. And when is it? And with and nothing with Carson Wentz and his injuries. His injuries never last about like you know two three days. You know, he he during the regular season he gets injured in practice or something, or gets banged up in a game on Sunday, and uh, you know, and you know misses a few days of practice to follow the next the uh, the following days. Gets injured in a game. Gets injured in a game Sunday. Doesn't practice until 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 Thursday or Friday, Saturday, whatever it is, and then he'll be raring to go for the raring to go for the next game coming the next Sunday. It's, the, it's never the case with Carson Wentz. Every single time he gets hurt, you gotta bring out the gurney, you know, and and be prepared for Carson Wentz to, to miss lengthy and I do mean lengthy amount of time. And this time is no different. Even though he's with a even though he's with a new team, he doesn't have to and he's under the umbrella and under and gotten from underneath the shadow of of uh Doug Peterson and uh, who I don't agree with them firing him, by the way, still. I mean, he won a Super Bowl, and you, and you send Doug Peterson out the door like that? I mean, my goodness gracious, Philly. It, the, prob the problem wasn't Doug Peterson. The problem was how Howie Roseman, in my honest opinion. He was the, he, he and Wentz were the ones that needed to go, not Doug Peterson. Um, but anyway, that's getting besides the point. He gets out of Philadelphia. He we don't have to worry about Nick Foles being being the the ultimate uh, folk hero that he is in that city with Peterson and and Nick. Foles. He gotten away from that. Goes to Indianapolis. Coach reunites with his old offensive coordinator from the Philly days and Frank Reich over there in Indianapolis, and he. And he hurts his and he hurts his left foot that will that will have him sidelined for five to twelve weeks that he's, that he has a, that he's getting surgery on, and he's it's just like this occurred um this occurred uh late in uh this this occurred uh late in Thursday's practice he said when he felt a twinge in his foot. I mean every single time I turn around, it's something wrong with Carson Wentz, and if you go and you look. At the Indianapolis Colts' schedule this season, you know the first five to twelve weeks and the and the beginning of the 
of the uh, Indianapolis Colts this season is not exactly, you know, the first month the first month of the season isn't exactly a cakewalk from the Indianapolis uh, Colts perspective. You go ahead and you look. Week 1 they weeks the their first the first three of their four opponents to begin the season are all against are all against playoff teams. Uh and in five and five out and five out of the uh and five out of the if you want to do five out of the six, or excuse me, five out of the seven first seven weeks of the season, whatever the case might be, there. If you want to include the Ravens, also playoff teams. They open up against the Seahawks, the Rams, the Titans, the Dolphins, who missed the playoffs and win either ten and six, nine and nine and seven. But they're going to be a very, very, very uh, tough out this season for just for the league in general, not necessarily the Indianapolis Colts. Then they then they play against the Ravens on Monday night in Baltimore. Then the Texans, then the 49ers who will be better. That's if they're not. That's if seventy five percent of their roster isn't on IL come mid October. Um, and then of IL um, is IL not I yeah IL yeah. Um, and then comes. Uh, IR. That's what I'm. IL is baseball. IR. That's what I meant to say. Injured reserve. Um, and then week eight against Tennessee again to close out the month of uh, to close out the month of October. Week nine against the Jets on Thursday night. Okay. Ten against the Jaguars. Okay. Then eleven against. Then eleven against the Bills. Then ele- then week eleven against the Bills and then week twelve against Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. So think about that for as at the minimum at the minimum he could he at the minimum he could miss up until the Ravens game and his and him and him making his season debut on in week five on October the eleventh against the Ravens. That you know that could that could even be the last game he misses or it could be the game that he comes back. And then, worst case scenario, you're not looking at Carson Wentz stepping out onto the field again until late November, late November, early early December against either you pick either against uh, either against the uh, well, it wouldn't be that long because we're a few months away from the regular season. But let's say you know he doesn't come back till like early November. But still, the point is, is that the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, are really, really in the are deep in you know what with their quarter with their friend with their uh, quarterback who they who they uh, traded for in Carson. They're in trouble. I mean, they are really in, if they got to rely on 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 one of their backups to to bring them home and a team that has playoff aspirations and a team that's looking to dethrone Tennessee in the AFC South and, and, and who they lost the division to by an eyelash, an eyelash in Week 17 last season and got to the playoffs. And thanks to Phillip Rivers, who, again, for the 9 millionth time, I don't care what Brendan says, is not a Hall of Fame quarterback under any circumstances, which, you know, which, uh, which, Help them lose the game against Buffalo in the first round of the playoffs. If you think Phil Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback, this is all you need to know. The, that final drive, and I know I said this back in January and I'm getting off on a tangent, but if you look at that final drive, that final drive, which ended up being Philip Rivers' last drive of his NFL career, and now he's coming out this week saying he's open for for a potential comeback, whatever. But if you look at that final drive against Buffalo, 
late in the fourth quarter in the playoff game back in January is a is is Philip Rivers's career in a nutshell. But anyway, I'm getting off the beaten path. You know, Carson Wentz injuring his foot. I mean, every single time you turn around, it's something else with Carson Wentz. I mean, and Carson Wentz has to realize that if he wants to be a successful quarterback in this league, making the big bucks, you're not gonna be. You're not gonna make. You're not gonna make Prescott. Now I understand Prescott. You know he was injured, but but Prescott was Mister. Um, Prescott was Mister Iron Man out up until this out up until last season, in which he unfortunately had a freak injury and he broke his ankle. But Prescott shows up. Shows up to work every day. You know, I don't love I don't I don't love Cousins and I don't love Matthew Stafford, but they sh- but they but they show up and play every single every every single game every single season. Um, Jared, you know, Jared Goff up until really up until his last year there, he answered he answered the bell on a cons- on a consistent basis. And those guys getting paid big money that I that I wouldn't pay them big money for, but you got to give them credit is because if you want to get paid, you got to show up on the field. You know, and and I don't care if you're, and I don't care even the person that's like, ah, the hell with it. You know, he plays the position, give him all the money. You even those type of people's got to be like, I yeah, make your money and and get your paper. Don't get me wrong, but and some some of the times it may be to no fault of his own, but you got to show up. You got to show up and play and show up to work every day, every year on a week in week out basis. It's 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 the fact and matter of it. I mean, I don't let I could see how much Carson Wentz is making, uh, how much Carson Wentz is making this season. But you know, he, he's got to sh- he's got to show up and play on a consistent basis. So he's with the four year hundred twenty eight four year hundred twenty eight million dollar contract uh, that the Eagles, of course, that now the Colts are uh, are responsible for. I mean, come I mean, come on. Getting, guys getting guys are getting paid 128 million plus dollars over a four year period, and he and he and he can't stay and he can't stay healthy and he can't stay out there on the field. I mean, come on. I mean, you go back. I mean, go back and look. Okay, 17 towards ACL played 13 games. 18 he played 11 games. 19 he played a full 16. 20 20 he played 12. I mean, come on. And this is a guy that isn't exact, you know, that isn't exactly, um, you know, uh, who ha- or was, excuse me, who was exactly uh, the Peyton Manning behind centers last year with the Eagles. Through had a fifty-seven percent completion percentage, threw for barely threw for over two thousand yards and threw sixteen touchdowns and fifteen interceptions. I mean, come on. But the Colts are in trouble. If the Colts cannot have Carson Wentz, who they paying him all that money, if they cannot have him answer the bell on a week in, week out basis, healthy, not having to worry about oh, it's my foot, oh, my ankle, on oh, my knee, oh, I got a concussion. Hell with that. If they can't have him show up and be healthy for him on a on a week in, week out basis this season, it's gonna be a long, 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 long season, long season for Indianapolis. Because like I said, the first the first four weeks of the season, first five weeks of the season, they open up against pl- uh, four out of the five. They open up against playoff teams, and it's like the and it's and these aren't the Miami Dolphins of uh, you know the my the uh, the two thousand and these aren't the two thousand nineteen Miami Dolphins either. 
These are the, these are the Miami Dolphins that that have one thing on their mind, and that's playoffs. I forget. I forget. I forget. I they either went nine and seven or ten. They either went nine and seven or ten and six, and they got unlucky. And they got unlucky with uh, Fitzpatrick testing positive for COVID, um, because because that was the that was a meaningless game for um. It was a meaningless game for the uh, for the Bills week seventeen. Okay, ten and six, and they finished in second place, and they didn't make the playoffs. Who you know, they, and they and they would have been a playoff team had not they gotten unlucky with Fitzpatrick testing positive for COVID. I believe like the day before the game. But the Colts are in trouble. They need once to show up and to be healthy and to play for them. And it looks like they're going to have to go at the minimum the first month of the season without them, which. When you open up against the Seahawks, Rams, Titans, and 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 uh, and Dolphins the first uh, the first Sunday in October, don't be shocked if the Colts are looking at zero four heading into that heading into that Week Five game against the Ravens, because at the minimum he's missing f- first. At the minimum he's he's probably gonna miss the first month of the season, minimum. And you know, they're, 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 and they're not and they're not playing the garbage uh, that is the uh, Houston Texans, the New York Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, or or hell, the Oakland Raiders. The first, uh, you know, the first, you know, the first month of the season, they are opening up against some juggernauts. Who and and at least, and I know. Three out of the three out of the uh, for uh, or three out of the five are Super Bowl contenders. That's where we begin on this Wednesday. We will get. I will get to my journeys with Mad Dog, and I will get to NBA quote unquote free agency coming up next. Let's check in with my Cincinnati Bengals as they open up training camp 2021. This is the Amatella TIS podcast, Back in the Flash. Good song. Anyway, welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Uh, switching gears now, sticking with the football training camp theme, and because I haven't had an opportunity to talk about it, and that is my do a little bit of uh, inventory on my Cincinnati Bengals as we uh, as they were in full pads, um, uh, as they began to be in full pads earlier this week, um, and just to give you a couple of thoughts here, they. They had a first of all. Let me begin with this. 
um, with with my Bengals training camp. Apparently, and I, you know, I, of course, I don't live in Cincinnati, so I don't have like, so I, if I lived in Cincinnati, I do shows from from Bengals training camp if I wanted to, um, but. Apparently, like apparently, Joe Burrow has really struggled in training. Has really struggled uh, throughout the first week of training camp, um, according to a reporter from the Athletic. Uh, in eleven on eleven, he was five of twelve with one interception. Um, uh, and then, uh, and he. This was when they were in full pads. They just, they just uh, were in full pads about. I believe it was today or it was, uh, or it was Tuesday. Was their first day in full pads. Anyway, um, in full pads in training camp, and you know, people are making a big fuss on what is this? Is the sky falling? Should Bengals fans be concerned? Joe Burrow struggling throughout training camp. Yada yada. Bottom line is, guys is that this first of all there's two schools of thought because it wasn't like Burrow was going up against the scout team it's 11 it's it's their starting defense versus their starting offense so a couple of things a I don't believe that the Bengals defense is going is you know is the 2000 Ravens reincarnated or the 2015 Bengals defense which was one of the best uh which is one of the best defenses um which is one of the best defenses, um, one of the best defenses during Marvin Lewis's tenure with during Marvin Lewis's uh, tenure with the Bengals, um, had the fit had the let's see, uh, let me just look this up just because I'm talking about it. Um, let's see, they had um, they showed a franchise record for allowing just 279 total points. That's the fifth lowest points per game average in team history. Um, so they had they had a top five defense that year, but that defense is not going to be it's not going to be that 15 Bengals defense. And Joe Burrow all of a sudden isn't going to is not and isn't going to that uh, that old Cinderella uh, uh, adage turn back into a pumpkin when the when the clock strikes midnight. Okay, it's the first week of camp. Okay, they do not open up against the Minnesota Vikings for another for another month and nine days. Now check that uh, for another month and uh, for another month and eight days. Okay, they got plenty of time to work to work together. They still haven't played a preseason game yet, so if they have still they have plenty of time to work on a few things polish themselves up you know when you go on when when training camp where it's a repetitive process you do it uh, eventually and essentially when you're playing and when you're going up against your own teammates that know that know you better in in more ways than in more ways than one than your opponents do when you go out there on Sundays you know they're seeing Joe they're seeing Joe Burrow's a warm-up routine. They're seeing the little things that Burrow does when he gets himself ready. They see Burrow staying behind in the meeting room, studying, looking over tape, studying the playbook. They they see all that, you know. If and if it was against the scout team, I I could understand. But they're going up again. They're going up. They're going up against. They're going up against their own starters. So I mean, I expect that. I mean, it's it's a it's a positive side 
to see that the Bengals defense, which has been an essential lapdog for the better part of the last five years or so, it's nice to see the Bengals defense play a little bit, play a, play with a little bit of heart, a little bit of hustle, and a little bit of uh, of fight in them. And I've been reading all over the place that Trey Hendrickson is uh, is re- is wrecking havoc during uh, during their defensive uh, pass rushing drills throughout camp thus far. So that's a positive sign. He of course. The former, uh, the former pass rusher for the New Orleans Saints. We all know how, not great, but how good those Saints defenses were. Uh, all for uh, you know, I picked them in the Super Bowl. It seems like every single year because because they had a perfect storm. They had the best wide receiver in Thomas and Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees. They can run the football down your throat with Alvin Kamara. And they got a good defense with Cameron Jordan and Hendrickson was also a part of that of that nice defense too with the Saints and they couldn't win a damn thing anyway. Um, but I'm not concerned. It is the, you know if it was if it was the last week of camp. Or if this was in a preseason game, I'd be a little bit I'd be a little bit concerned. But it is the again, and they're in pads for the first time. They're in they're starting to do full pad practices for the full for the first time. Um, you know, you you're up against the same people every single day. Odds are somebody either someone someone's gonna be trash and someone's gonna be and someone's gonna be exceptional. Which is you know, which is which is why I kind of, I mean, I get the whole concept of it, but I kind of don't like get, get the, uh, I mean, I get it, but I kind of like the 11 on 11 scrimmages ain't really like for, you know, ain't for me because, because especially from a head coach perspective, because if your offense, if your offense is scoring and going up the field left and right, yeah, it's encouraging because your offense is doing well, but your defense can't, but your defense can't get off the field and can't stop your, can't stop the offense if their lives depend on it. And if the defense doesn't, doesn't allow your offense to, to move an inch, and and doesn't allow them to gain a yard. You know, your def- yeah, you got you think you got a lockdown defense, and then your offense is starting can't put up any points. So, just from that aspect alone, I think this is just much 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 to do about nothing. You know, and I hate to go this route, but the but the national media and the national uh, football fan that that don't that does not root for the Bengals loves to take the. Uh, you know their 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 low hang their low hanging fruit. You know to beat up on the Bengals. Ah, this is why. Now now again, I could be screaming this to the cows come home if if uh, if every single time I turn around, uh, Mike Zimmer and his Mike Zimmer and his defense is making Burrow's life a living hell come week one. So so I could still change. You know I still have to see some real games during the regular season for me for me to believe that drafting Chase over Sewell was worth it. But you know everyone's like, oh, this is why they should have drafted Sewell. Oh, it's the sky falling for the Bengals. Should Bengals fans be concerned with Burrow? Is he a hundred percent? Yeah, that, that, let's can everybody take a chill pill and let's calm down. He still isn't fully hundred percent healed with his knee and that and and they asked Tyler Boyd um and they asked Tyler Boyd earlier this afternoon and Tyler Boyd should get the hell off of Twitter and uh, and spend more time reading his reading his own damn league's COVID protocol instead of going on Twitter and 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 and, sh- and, sh- and shooting and shooting at the hip or oh, why do if we're vaccinated why do we have to do with, with the COVID stuff because the, a it helps nobody he looks like a horse's ass 
and if and you don't want to become a distraction because if, if the, the last thing the Bengals need is is another distra- is 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 a distraction and a potential cancer to 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 become within their locker room. I mean, we we don't need that. So he should get the hell off of Twitter and just and 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 just focus on football crap. But as he said earlier this afternoon, he thinks it's a lot of the reasons why Burrow's been, uh, why Burrow hasn't played his best during practices because he's still dealing with the effects of that knee. And I'm pretty sure that, and he's probably right, and that is the, and that is the case. You know, it's been a long time since, on a consistent basis, where he's working out and using that leg and being on that leg and using his knee doing football activities. Hour upon hour upon hour on a day in day out basis. This is the first time he's had to, you know, that this is the first time that he's had to kick it up a notch as far as uh, as far as doing football activity on that knee since the week before the Washington game back in November. So it's probably it that's probably part of the, that's all that's probably part of the reason. Also, I mean, he is human, you know. He is he is human. It is training camp. You better. It's better off that that you have him play like crap and work out the kinks in training camp rather than to have him play like crap when the games actually count. So you rather have it that way. But I mean, you know, this is the point in the time of the year where you want where you want, especially if you're if you're a fan of a team that that you have expectations have somewhat high expectations for that you expect them to be fairly competitive this season you'd rather have them get all the kinks out early in training camp and knock all the rust off and get and get the garbage performances out the way early so then come when it starts time to buckle down and get ready for the season then then you can then you make sure that you're fully polished and your eyes are dotted and your T's across. But we haven't reached that point yet. We're only five day four days, excuse me, into the uh into the month of August. We got plenty of time until week one in Minnesota. Better it's better better have Burrow play like crap now and nobody's watching than have him play like crap on television and it becomes a, and it becomes a big deal. So I'm not packing, and I and I believe there is truth to what Boyd said about the issues with the, with the knee. You know, it's the, the the knee is gonna is is gonna play a factor in the early part of training camp. It is full in in full pads for the first time since he was carted off the field in Washington. It's it, it's a process. It's a process. You know, and and it's encouraging to see that the defense has played well at in this earlier part of camp. But I'm not also going to go crazy on that end, thinking that 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 the Bengals essentially have the uh, have the 2,000 Ravens on their team. So that's another that's another aspect uh, of it of it too. The team, the all the coaches and the and the roster is 90% vaccinated, which you like because you know I I don't want and I don't and I think the Bengals were the only team last season I could be wrong but I think the Bengals were the only team last season that went without a covid outbreak so it's good to see that the that the Bengal leadership has stepped up and uh, you'd like to get you'd like to keep Tyler Boyd's ignorant ignorant and asinine uh comments and questions off of his little Twitter page but you know they're the team's ninety percent vaccinated. Coaches are fully vaccinated, so that's a positive sight there. Um, and then of course also, and then, and they also said that Burrow's a full go. Now they rested him. Uh, they rested him in the afternoon portion of practice early this afternoon, just out of precaution, just to give him a blow, which is smart. You know, before you again before you ramp it up, before you 
put the full before you uh, mash on the gas as far as having Joe Burrow be at a full go and just never looking back until the season's over. You'd rather rest them early, you know, in the early training camp practices that, you know, that matter. But it, but again, you'd rather have you rather take it easy, take it slow, take it one step at a time. Not push, not push, not push him, and not rush the issue or or rush his uh, rehabbing uh, process uh, more more than more than you have to. So he sat out this afternoon uh, during practice during a practice in Cincinnati. No concerns with me. One like he was on crutches, didn't have a boot on, anything crazy like that. He was just sitting there in street clothes with those training camp bucket hats on, chilling, which is good, you know. If 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 you know until until the last week of August or the week before the Viking game, they want to give Burrow maybe a blow once every once every uh, five six practices. Please let him do it because let him get all the t- all the rest. And, and all the proper care and treatment that he needs before the season starts. Because once the season starts, it's a full go. No excuses. Um, and he also wants to and he also wants to play preseason. He also he along with his other uh, Bengal teammates want to play in the preseason. Is uh, wants Burrow to, to get some uh, get some uh, opportunities to play in the preseason. Um, the bang, the Bengals play three preseason games in no particular order because I don't have it in front of me, but I know the three teams off the top of my head: Washington, uh, the Bucks, and the Miami Dolphins. Um, you, I would at least want him to play to get some action in the last preseason game uh, in Week Three. In Week Three of the preseason, I would want him. I'd I'd rest I'd rest them the second game of the preseason. I'd get, I'd allow him to I'd allow him to to uh, conduct the driver to the first the first preseason game, which I believe is against the Buccaneers. Um, I would uh, I'd allow him to get I would allow him to uh, to uh, be on the field for a drive or two, um, week week one of the preseason. To let him rest uh, week two against uh, against Washington on August the twentieth, and then allow him to uh, to play to complete a half in week three on the 29th of August against the Miami Dolphins. But you know that's the state of the Bengals. Burrow's been iffy at practice. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to stress out about it. I'm also not going to go gaga and uh, and and about the Bengals' uh, tremendous defensive performances in the earlier stages of camp. Rest bro as much as many times and as much as he as he needs and that he requires and that he asks for. Because once the seat, because once the season's around the corner, you know, last week of August, it's it's all systems go and it's. And it's and it's pedal to the metal, and don't look back until and don't look back until your season's over. And I don't want no excuses. I know coddling him uh, against the Vikings or coddling him against the Bears week two, none of that. If you want to coddle him and if you want to be extra uh, precautious with him, do it. Do it in early August, where you, where you're still getting the kinks out, early stages of training camp, and you know, and it's first action in pads. First, uh, first football act, first uh, football activity in full pads since November of last season. Get it out the way now because once the season starts, it's all systems go. But that's where I stand and give a little uh, as I take the pulse of my 2021 Cincinnati Bengals as they prepare for the new season.
Take a break. Get to some NBA free agency. This is the Amatelica TIS podcast. Welcome back to the Amtel Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now to NBA free agency, uh, which occurred over with just some uh, not any big moves. It was a lot. A lot of it was uh, the big time star going back to going uh, or re-signing with their uh, with their previous teams. But just to give you a little feel of NBA free agency here uh, here on this Wednesday program. Nice to have you with us. First off, one of the big themes of NBA free agency was uh, was the loss was the Los Angeles Lakers and them essentially getting every single ringless veteran over um, over thirty years of age to come join LeBron and Anth- to come join LeBron and uh, and Anthony Davis. They have, if you go back and you look, if you, you know, they got rid of, they got rid of uh, Kuzma, KCP, Montrez Harrell, of course, in the wet in the Westbrook trade, but um, but they got, you know, they got in the Westbrook trade. They also get, they also get the White. They still have the White Howard. They also picked up Carmel Anthony within the last twenty four hours. I mean, you go and look. I mean, the Lakers have just been all over the place as far as getting the big, not the big time, but getting the uh, free agent NBA vet over 30 years of age. For example, you look at Trevor Ariza, who they also signed. He's 30, he's 36 years old. Dwight Howard, 35. Russ Book, who they traded for, 32. Carmelo Anthony, 37. And LeBron James himself, 36 years of age. I mean, this is the team you go. I mean, outside of Anthony Davis, I think Anthony Davis, uh, I think Anthony Davis is younger than, um, is younger than 30. Let me see. Um, and if he, and if he is younger than 30, 30 years, 30 years of age is not too far. Um, is not too far in his future. Let's see. Um, but I mean, Trevor Reza, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, these are. I mean, these these are are NBA vets. They are that can play. They're no they're no scrubs. But these are NBA players that have not won a ring. One of Carmelo Anthony's biggest. Uh, he's and Anthony Davis, twenty eight years twenty eight years of age, um, and will be and will be twenty nine come come middle of uh, this upcoming season. Um, but you go back and you look, I mean, it's a bunch of vets over 30 years of age. They have experience, they have experience. They, some of them, and a lot of them have playoff experience, but you look, but you look at the Lakers and it's like, they are really going all in counting on these years that LeBron James is here for them to rack up as many championships as possible because they are, if you, if you didn't think before that the Lakers are in a, Win now mentality. 
Aber if if you if you th if you still think that after all after all these signings that they've made in free agency, you're not paying attention. I mean, you, when you go out there and you get Dwight Howard and uh, and Carmelo Anthony, they're very they're very good role players at this point in their stages of the in these late stages of their NBA career. But I mean, these these are not the Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony. You know, Dwight Howard's days with Orlando and the first time and his first stint with the Lakers, and then of course Carmelo Anthony with his glory days back with the Knicks. I mean, so they are really throwing all their chips in the middle of the table and capitalizing on this little run and whoever and how how long this run will last. Who knows? with LeBron James at the helm, who now with Kuzma gone and KCP and Errol and all the moves that they've made so far this offseason, LeBron James is now, how ironic is this, LeBron James is now the longest, the longest tenured Laker on the roster. <laughs> what about, how about that? So they're really cashing. And the thing that's going to, that makes you scratch your head and is going to make you nervous if you're a Laker fan is that, you know, what are they going to do with the bench? You know, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, if you go ahead, if you go ahead and you look, I mean, they traded away Harold, Harold, Kuzma, uh, KCP, Alex Caruso's gone. He's with the Chicago Bulls. Um, he and Lonzo Ball will get to them in a minute. Um, but you know, they, they, you know, what are they going to do with, I mean, their depth with the bench, you know, and if Anthony Davis gets injured again for the nine millionth time, or LeBron James has to take a blow, yeah, they'll have Russell Westbrook, who is invincible, who goes out there and busts his ass on an 82-game uh, season-in-season-out basis and will not shortchange uh, the fan and load management and everything and go 110% uh, from the opening from the opening tip until the uh, until the clock hits uh, double zeros. I get that. But, you know, in a playoff series, and this is all this comes down to with the Lakers, is playoff series, how they, how they're, with their, with their, how well will their bench play when Davis and LeBron and, and unless they, unless they want to make Westbrook into a, a bench player, but Westbrook with his tremendous, not his ego, but I mean, Westbrook has been a starting point guard everywhere he's been in the, in the NBA and has, uh, you know, and has been accustomed, accustomed to carrying the workload for the majority of his career up until this point. You would, I mean, he might, in order, he would do it if it meant getting a ring and riding LeBron's, his buddy LeBron's coattails to getting a ring. But it'd be a pretty tough ask to tell Westbrook for the first time in his career, you know, you're gonna your your load is gonna be very, 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 very minuscule to what you're accustomed to dealing with, uh, to what you've been accustomed to dealing with your entire career, and we're probably gonna, you know, and we're gonna have put together some some uh, formations among our roster where you'll be the guy that's you know that's coming off the bench that you know that we can provide some star power coming off the bench while uh, if me and a if me and AD and or either either of us want to want to take a blow in the uh you know mid third in the mid third quarter of a of a of a game in the middle of January so you know that be the issue with the Lakers and their quality of bench play and everything else and I mean, they really are just they. If they aren't, if you again, if they haven't shown you with these moves within the last few years or so, they're putting all their chips in the middle of the table in order for them to win. Now you're not paying attention. You know, you're not. 
Uh, Chris Paul gets an extension. He's staying with the Phoenix Suns. You'd expect that. You know, he the the chemistry between him and Monty Williams was absolutely off the charts. Him and Devin Book were absolutely sensational this season, getting all the way to the NBA Finals with the two old lead that they blew. But anyway, it's not a hand nor there. Uh, he did a he did a phenomenal job this season, and for the playoffs up until from up until. He did a phenomenal job in the, in the regular season throughout the playoffs when he finally got over that shoulder issue in the opening round against the Lakers and had a tremendous uh, and put up some absolutely phenomenal postseason performances up until about game one of the finals. And then from games two through six, he crapped his pants. But anyway, Chris Paul, he sticks with the he sticks with the Phoenix Suns. As I already mentioned, the Chicago Bulls get Lonzo, the Chicago Bulls get Lonzo Ball uh from the Pelican from the Pelicans. He becomes a uh he becomes a Chicago he becomes a Chicago Bull on a four year eighty five million dollar contract. Lonzo Ball, you know, he's a very up and down he's a very up and down sort of player. Some nights you love him, some some nights you don't. We can't shoot the ball off a boat into the ocean and then some and then they have another night turn around another night and he decides to put the, and he can put the ball in the in the basket on a consistent basis. And of course you have Alex Caruso, you know, who uh, with with many a playoff ex, with many a playoff experience Keep an eye out for the uh, keep an eye out for the Chicago Bulls and possibly stealing uh, at least at least make it into the playing tournament come next spring. Keep an eye out on the Chicago Bulls. They're a team with intrigue in the 2021-22 uh, season. Uh, other free agency news to keep an eye on. Um, Jimmy Butler sticks with the Miami Heat, but the Miami Heat also get Kyle Lowry uh, from the Toronto Raptors, so they will be a team. Give Pat Riley credit; goes out there every single year and busses and busses his hump to make sure that uh, to make sure that he can put together at at, at the at the minimum an intriguing, entertaining, competitive team for the Miami fan base to watch. Um, they will be a t- they will be a team uh, that you'd have to pay attention attention to in the Eastern Conference this upcoming season. Jimmy Butler, uh, of course, uh, what a phenomenal player he is, and of course Kyle Lowry with uh, NBA with playoff and NBA Finals experience, uh, who who sort of came into his own when Kawhi Leonard came up there for that one season in two thousand and nineteen. Um, Alec Burks. Three-year contract with the New York Knicks. The Knicks also they traded for. Uh, they also got Kemba Walker earlier today. Uh, Kemba Walker uh, loves New loves the New York Knicks. He returns uh, to Madison Square. He he gets the opportunity to play in the mass in front of the Madison Square Garden uh, fans. So you know whether it's a, and it's also with the Knicks too. Oh, free agency. New York is back. New York is, now. New York was back because they were because they were they were one of the worst franchises in the sport uh, for the better part of the latter years of the 2010s decade. And of course, with the pandemic and everyone being sheltered in, so it was kind of like it was kind of like uh, it was the Knicks coming out party, making the playoffs and having a phenomenal regular season that they had and everything else. And the return of Madison Square Garden being packed to the gills and and rocking and bumping and fans screaming and yelling left and right and everything else. Um, so it was nice, but the Knicks got to go out there and uh, and get some free agents. And no disrespect to Kemba Walker, but this free agency period ends. You can't just walk away with Kemba Walker and, uh, and call it a night. You actually got to go out there 
And I understand that there weren't that many uh, free agents, uh, that many big name franchise altering free agents uh, for for them to uh, for them to lure to New York City. But you, you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta do something. If New if New York is truly back, you gotta you got gotta get yourself at least one big player. And you know that they're just and 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 they if they aren't they should be foaming at the mouth and waiting for the right time to strike when Dame if. If Damian Lillard decides he's had enough of Portland and wants out of the Trailblazers organization, because that is a player right there, right there, that can easily, 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 easily. They they got their tremendous defensive team. Thibodeau's a hell of a coach, and they got one of the, one of the more clutch uh, guards in the game. And and if they got the, one of the more the game's more clutch guards in the game right now, that has many a playoff experience and and many of uh, game winning slash clutch uh, playoff shots and underneath his belt in his career, you get Damian Lillard. You know, I'm not saying the Knicks are our finals favorite, but they, but they, but that, that would certainly make the, the Philadelphia's, the Boston's and, and even the, and even the Nets over there at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, that, that, that make them, that make them uh, sit, sit up in their seat a little bit. If they somehow sway between now and when the season starts, uh, land Damian Lillard. Um, that's your that's your take as far as the the Knicks are concerned. Uh, John Collins, five year, hundred twenty five million dollar contract with the Atlanta Hawks. Curry is going to stay with the Warriors for the next four years. He's a hell of a player. That does not surprise me. Also, the uh, Bulls get Demar De- again. Demar Derozan got some uh, got some experience playoff experience underneath them. Caruso, same deal. Lowry's got a ring. Bulls, Bulls, Bulls could be a very, very, very interesting team in 2021-2022. Um, uh, he signs with the Bulls. Andre Drummond, one-year deal with the 76ers. Um, Blake Griffin returns to the Nets. Jeff Green, it's a Denver Nugget. Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Dallas Mavericks uh, for, for a four-year $74 million dollar. A year contract, but Taj Gibson, one year, two point seven million dollar uh, deal with the New York Knicks. It's been a you know been a lot of transactional uh, signings, of course. You know, with players either re-signing, or either re-signing with teams and anything else. So it's been very, it's been very transaction heavy. But the big, the biggest splash of free agency really wasn't even a free agency signing. It was uh, it was the Russell Westbrook trade that occurred that occurred last week, and it's cancer when you deal with the Celtics, uh, Boban Marjanovic uh, with the Mavericks, uh, Javel McGee one year deal with the Phoenix Suns, uh, so keep an eye out on that. Um, Javel McGee, a guy you know, and they and the Suns need need a nice veteran that can rebound and crash the glass and and. And 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 rack up boards on a game and game out basis because oh my god um once um his name Saric uh, I think S A R I C I forget how you pronounce his name but when he went down with and when he went down with that season ending injury uh, earlier in the finals it was a ve- it was a very un- unsung moment and a moment that re- that really was magnified by Giannis's tremendous performance throughout the rest of the NBA finals because Aiton was getting absolutely bullied in game 6 in Milwaukee 
and and the Suns just did not have an answer inside for Milwaukee, who absolutely dominated them inside the paint for the for the uh, rest of the duration of that finals. Victor Oladipo deal with the Miami Heat. Bobby Portis will be a buck for two more years. Campaign will be a uh, Phoenix Sun for the next uh, three years. Derrick Rose gets with the New York Knicks. Um, let's see, P.J. Tucker, uh, that's a good sign for Miami. The Miami Heat uh, grabbing up P.J. Tucker and Derrick Rose. Uh, Derrick Rose uh, going to the uh, sticking with the uh, with the New York Knicks for the next three years. Trey Young gets a five year, two hundred and seventy. Two hundred and seven, excuse me, million dollar extension with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, and Hassan Whiteside agrees to the agrees to a deal with the um with the Utah Jazz. Kawhi Leonard with the player option, uh, you know where he stands with that. Um, and I think that's really been it. I got with Demar Derozan. Mike Conley agrees. Mike Conley agrees to deal with the Jazz, and that is where you stand as far as NBA free. Like I said, the biggest move out of this whole free agency period thus far has been and was that Russell Westbrook trade last week. Um, you know, he had a couple of nice moves. You know, again, keep an eye out on the Chicago Bulls. They're going to be a hell of a team this upcoming season. Take a break. Get to my Mad Dog story. The Wednesday afternoon Slash night in Baltimore with the doggy and friend of uh, mine, friend of the program, Colin Russo. Gets that to close out the show. I'm a Telica TIS podcast. Um, welcome back to the Amatelic Atelier's podcast. So, as you all know, um, uh, I did not do a show and upload a show for you guys last Wednesday, and that's uh, my apologies for that. But the reason why, and if you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield, you know why, and that is because the great, the wonderful, the fantastic Christopher Mad Dog Russo, host of Mad Dog Unleashed on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio Channel 82, and host of uh, High Heat on the MLB Network, 
um, with Alana Rizzo and also a host of his own uh, podcast on SiriusXM, Digging Up the Past. Uh, he made the trip down to uh, bu- uh, down to my neck of the woods in the great city of Baltimore, Maryland last week. He and his middle son, Colin, who you all know, had on the program twice. We had him on uh, in December uh, to talk about the football and when he screamed and yelled about the Jaguars and the Jets and the Raiders and everything else and Lawrence and Tanking and Greg Williams and everything else and had him on the program recent, uh, more, most recently uh, back in March to preview March. Did a phenomenal job from his Wisconsin dorm at a Madison, Wisconsin, uh, previewing the 2021 NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament. Uh, he and he and the doggy made the trip down. They both went on. They did a uh, they did that ballpark trip. You go from Phil. They went from Philadelphia. They took the train from Philadelphia to Baltimore to Washington D.C. They both live uh, in New Canaan, Connecticut. In case you didn't, in case you didn't know, um, they made the trip down. I didn't. I didn't even. To be honest with you, I didn't even know that he was making the trip down to this neck, down to my part of, uh, down to my part of the country, um, until Wednesday, in which I heard him casually bring it up. Oh yeah, I'm not going to be here the rest of the week. This is last Monday. He said this. I'm not going to be here the rest of the week. I'm going on a ballpark trip to my son, Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C. So I'm like, ah, well, ah, well he's coming to Baltimore. I've yet to meet him. You know, I've met him. I've met him via the, via the Zoom call, and I've called into a show ninety thousand times, and and I've uh, and I've, I have his phone, and I have his phone number. We text each other all the time, but uh, I n- I'd never physically met the great. Chris Russo, nor his son, for that matter. I don't want to leave him out too. He's also important. Um, so it's like, oh well, I got it. So I ended up calling into that Monday Mad Dog Unleashed last week, and I was like, oh, what day will you be in town? Because you know, I want to see the doggy, want to see him, get the want to meet him, shake his hand, have a laugh with him, you know, uh, conversate, everything else. He was like, I will be in Baltimore Wednesday. Once I see how the day takes me and the trip from Philadelphia down to Baltimore, see how the day goes, I'll let you know. Um, so that's, so that's what happened. Um, he had issues. Only dog has issues uh, with getting into a hotel. He train ride from Philadelphia. He was in Philly for the nationals and the, uh, the nationals and the, and the Phillies. When, uh, I believe that was the game where Brett where Brad hand who blew, who was blowing saves left and right, uh, vomiting all over himself. Uh, it was either that game. It was either that game where he blew a save. It was the game where Harper hit the inside of the park on. Anyway, he went to go see nationals and Phillies in Philadelphia on Tuesday night. Um, and then got the Baltimore on Wednesday. Train wa- train ride was uh, train ride was great. I got to meet up with them after I uh, after had some stuff to take care of in the morning. Had a, got a work got a workout in. I got a nice workout in. Showered. Get out the shower. It's like two four. It's at two forty five. Um, go down there. Get a text. Uh, how about you meet me at the aquarium? I check that. Um, how about you meet me at the Sagamore Pendry Hotel, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, uh, so, and he want, you know, he wanted to know, it's like, how far, how far do you live away from, uh, Camden Yards? I was like, well, dog, I live, uh, I live in Baltimore, I live, uh, at the outskirts of Baltimore. I live in Baltimore County, about a half hour away from Oriole Park and Camden Yards driving down the highway. But so we got together, 
uh, met with him. I got down to uh, I got down to the Sagamore Pendry Hotel, which is a historic hotel, by the way, in the Fells Point uh, in downtown Baltimore, sitting right there on the pier on the water. Um, uh, in the, in the 90s, it was occupied as the police headquarters of the TV series Homicide. If you've ever heard of that, um, so that's where that's where that's where that hotel uh, was. It's also um. Also was a locate. It was also was a landing point for the for thousands of immigrants that uh, came across the Patapsco uh, River at the Locust Point uh, Immigration Station uh, via ferry. So it has a very uh, historical meaning. To, it has very uh, historical significance to it. Um, it was built in. Uh, it was re. It was rebuilt, refurbished in 2017. It was originally built in 19 in 1914, and it is currently sitting. Um, I believe it's sitting in the in the um in the National Registry of hist- of uh of historical of uh, historical places. Um, the hotel. It was a very 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 nice hotel. Now, typically, now if you know me, a I live here, so if I li- if I live here, I'm not going to spend I'm not going to spend a whole hell of a lot of time staying in hotels and cities which I live in. So that's item number one, and then item number two. I mean, it's a nice hotel. It got nearly five star reviews on Google. But let me tell you something right now. And I told Dog this. I said, <laughs> he's like, have you ever been to Hijai? I'm like, Dog. I do not make Chris Russo money. If I if a a if I didn't live here and b if I didn't if I make Chris Russo money, you know, making you know, make, got a couple of uh, uh, got a couple mills sitting there in his bank account, you know, then I'd have an opportunity to stay at the Sagamore Pendry Hotel. But it really, really was a nice hotel. Very old, very old school type of feel. The reception, the reception uh, desk was not inside; it was outside underneath. Uh, underneath the canopy so like the so like the main lobby of the hotel was outside now thank god it wasn't it, was, it had great weather it wasn't raining it wasn't raining that day um so i'm so i get out so i get out the car i'm standing there waiting for uh waiting for dog i text him i said hey i'm here i'm outside of the hotel wait for dog to come wait for dog to come down and greet me at the front of the hotel and i swear to and i swear to you guys on my life I wasn't standing there for no longer than five, ten minutes. And who walks past and who do I see walking past me? I'm standing my back is toward my back is towards the hotel. So I'm facing the street. And only dog could would pick a hotel that's literally that's literally sitting on a street where the street is made out of a is made up of a bunch of brick and stone where where it's like that scene in cars where Lightning McQueen rushes through repairing the uh repairing the wrecked up road and Tomato's like oh holy crap I'm on the first one on the new road and he's driving and he's driving and he goes and he's bouncing up and down as if as if he's riding a jackhammer or as if you know, like like he's riding down the street through an earthquake. He's just and and I rode down there to get to the hotel, and all I could hear in the car was 
It's like it's like you're it's like you're in a blender. So only him would pick a hotel that's literally on literally on a di on a, on a brick on a brick road as if it's from the olden days. I mean it is an old building, but still don't don't get that's besides the point. But anyway, I'm standing there no longer than five ten minutes waiting for dog to come down to greet me. And who and who do I catch walking past my left shoulder going into the hotel? Chris Davis. Chris Davis. The first baseman for my Baltimore Orioles that has not played an inning all season long. He's dealing with the hip issue, back issue, who knows, and quite honestly, who cares? Thank God that, uh, that I mean, thank God that he hasn't played, that he hasn't played and, 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 uh, and uh and 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 spread his garbage play throughout throughout that entire roster this season but he who hasn't played all season long i did not see any action in spring training hell and i've seen now i and i could i've probably missed about maybe 20 ish maybe to i've seen about 80 75 80% of the orioles games this season some in some way or another and I haven't, I haven't even seen him like in the dugout, in the clubhouse, amongst the team. So I, I literally have not seen Chris Davis. Whether it's now, of course, obviously not in person, but I have, I have not, I have not, my eyes have not laid, I have not laid my eyes on Chris Davis in any form or fashion, literally since he didn't play in twenty twenty. I, I believe I'm not, I think I'm not positive, but I've, I've literally have not looked at Chris Davis. You know, a lot, not a picture, but actual of him like moving around, living his life in, in nearly in nearly two years. I hadn't seen he was he isn't every single time I turn on an Orioles game. He's not in the dugout. He's not with the team. It's been nowhere to be found now off for the best. And I'm not complaining of that, but it's still I'm sending no longer five, ten minutes. And all of a sudden it's Chris Davis and a long sleeve Nike and a long sleeve Nike T-shirt walking into the hotel. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like out of all I'm like, God, out of all the players you could have had or all the celebrities or all of the. Baltimore athletes, you could have had walk have walk by me at that very moment. Why in the world does it have to be the guy that I have literally done nothing but critique and ridicule and rip for the better part of the last what five four five four five years or so? I mean, and I look and I had my Under Armour sunglasses on and I looked at him. I was like, oh, I didn't say anything. I looked at him, but I said to myself, I was like, holy crap, it's Chris Davis. And I kind and I kind of like eyeballed him or whatever. You know, I, you know, Chris, da and now Chris Davis is a garbage baseball player, but he, but he would, he, he, he beat the crap out of me in a heartbeat. So, and I, and I understand that I'm six foot and I understand that I'm six foot two. Um, I understand that I'm, that I'm six foot two and a half. I don't feel six foot two and a half, but 
to other people. Maybe I have like a, I, I command a bigger presence than I think I do for whatever the reason. I was looking at Chris Davis. He couldn't see my eyes because I had like those Under Armour the, with the with the front of the glasses are uh, are colored orange. You can't see the so you can't see the person's eyes. Um, I was just looking at him. He seems like he was like, "Hey, what's up, dude?" I was like, "Hey, what's up?" He was like, "How you doing?" He was. I said, "I said back to Davis." I said, "How you doing?" He's like, "All right, good. How about yourself?" I was like, "Good, cool, cool, cool." So I actually had like an actual, <laughs> I had an actual like five second conversation with Chris Davis, which was uh, which was which was hard, which was hard to believe. Um, and and uh, went into the hotel and and I went and spent like a half hour in the hotel. Didn't see him since. Um, but, uh, I didn't, didn't see him after the fact. See dog, 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 hey, here's the big guy. He me, gives me a hug, dap up Colin. He's like, ah, oh, let's take a walk, you know. Now, granted, in that, in that little area, now it's like, it's like four, it's like four o'clock, four thirty in the afternoon. And all of a sudden it's, ah, uh, it's like a, it's a Wednesday live version of Mad Dog Unleashed. Let's take a walk. Let's take a walk down the park, John. Let's go. So he so he walk so we walk around we walk around the pier. He goes on and on and on about how nice of the, how nice the hotel is, how nice the area of the part of Baltimore he was sitting he was staying that hotel. Of course, if you've been to the Baltimore area, that's in the Fells Point part of the city. He goes on about how much he loves the area, loves the city. One, told me a little bit of his about of his Philadelphia trip. Wouldn't shut up talking nonstop about about uh, about serious. He was like, "Did McAfee have on Rogers today? Rogers part of the training camp. They have Rogers on us. Is, is, is McAfee talking about the baseball? McAfee talking about the trade deadline? He just wouldn't shut up about wouldn't shut up about McAfee and uh, and and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was floored when I told him that my pals Babchick and Evan were off because they were off. Uh, they were off the majority part of last week, and all he wouldn't he wouldn't shut up about the radio. So then we get to talking. And then we get to talking, you know, talk, small talk and everything else. Ask me about the family and, and how's this going? How's that going? What's the issues uh, with college and, and yada, 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 DDD. So then we so then we finally circle our way back around to the background. I mean, he absolutely loved, 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 loved that area of Baltimore. Now, he now he is older than me. He's older than me. I granted isn't from here, but it's older than me. Absolutely love that part of town. I and he's and he's never stayed at that hotel before. He's never seen that part of town before, and he's been to Baltimore a bunch of times. I have lived here for nearly twenty years, and it was my first time. First time. Now, granted, I, I granted, I I don't I'm not from the streets of Baltimore like my buddies from Gurley are, or, or like my or like my dad was uh, growing up in the ghetto. But you know, but I have spent a decent amount of time in the city of Baltimore. Whether it be going to ball, whether it be going to ball games, my uh, my high school years at Curly there, going to see my grandparents, my other family members that live in the city. So the, the Baltimore city, whether it be downtown or the actual uh, city as a whole, is 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 it's it's not anything um it's not it's not anything strange and indifferent to me. But that was the first time that I had ever seen that part of town. And that was Fells Point in Baltimore, one of the uh, one of the nicest and richest parts of the city. And boy was it! And boy was it nice! And boy, boy, boy was it rich! Um, so we finished. So we finished walking around the pier. 
go inside of go inside of the hotel. Uh, he's like, uh, he's like, you want a drink? You want a drink? What's something to eat? Uh, what, 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 what? So it's like, and I kind of feel uncomfortable because it's like, well, it's like, well, you're in my, like, you know, you're like, you're in my city. You're like, you are visiting my city. Like, this is where I'm from. I should be, I, even though we weren't at my house, but I, sh I felt the need that I should be hosting you. And he was like, what do I do? Want something to eat? What do I get? Something to drink? Blah, 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 blah. So we go inside, go inside, get something to drink. Uh, I get a gin, I get a ginger ale and a champagne glass. He gets a Sprite. I believe his son got a ginger ale as well. I mean, we're, we're, we walk into walk into the hotel. Never been in this hotel ever before in my life, and I'm sitting there. They have a waiter, a cocktail waiter in a in a, in a bow tie. Black black leathered up shoes, everything else. Get I mean we're set, we're me, Colin and Dog Alita just sitting in the little lounge area of the hotel talking. And all of a sudden it's like a guy just comes in there with, with men with menus. And and the guy literally literally gave me and he gave me a a a cocktail menu. And 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 in the way he put it down in the table in front of me, it was almost as if it was almost as if it's like yeah, you're the boss. You know what you want. Go ahead. It was almost as if like I I I felt like a million dollars. Like I was like I was supposed to be served. If I was in that hotel, I was going to be served come hell to high water an an alcoholic drink. Now all now all you all know, I'm 19 years of age. I'm not of the age to drink yet. I didn't. I didn't look at the menu. I was like, hey, just give me a ginger ale. That'll be fine with me. Have a drink. Well, with dog, with Khan, we talk it up, we chop it up a little bit, and it was a oh my goodness gracious! This hotel was was superb. They had a nice little uh, patio area outside. Had a nice little uh, climate controlled patio area outside with the fireplace. I mean, only the only the nice expensive places uh, love the love the keep the fireplaces going when it's a hundred degrees outside. But it was a nice, nice lounge patio area outside of the of the little lounge area. They had nice, nice furniture, nice, uh, nice uh, long, uh, clear uh, coffee table, um, and, and that and as me and Dog and Colin are talking and everything else, I mean, I could set now. They have never felt this because they've been around money. Well, Dog has been around money his entire life. Colin has, and Dog's been around money essentially since for the better part of the last 25 years or so. And I have been around, and I have had some moments where I have lived my lived life, so to speak, like a millionaire, but never before in my entire life was I sitting there in that restaurant, literally feel, literally, have, it's, 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 you have to be there in order for you to understand where I'm coming from, but it literally, you feel like you're in a room with a bunch of rich people that have a bunch of zeros in their bank, a bunch of zeros in their bank account. Now, I don't mean 0.00. I mean 000, comma, 000, comma. Anyway, and I'm sitting there talking and I'm seeing these. Now, they weren't celebrities, but I was just looking at them and just how they carried themselves. Like these, these are people that that are probably like bosses and CEOs of, of big time corporations and big time companies and and I'm, I'm probably making a decision that's going that's pro that 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 I may that, that they're probably discussing things that is going to 
that's going to make a mark in corporate America one way or another or in bis or in the small business market in Baltimore. I don't even realize and they're doing and they're doing it over and they're doing it over uh over over a bunch of cocktail drinks. I mean, it was the weirdest, not weirdest, but one of the craziest, most surreal experiences I've ever, ever, ever had and experienced in my entire life. And it was just a hell of an experience talking, sharing jokes and laughing with the dog and laughing with Colin. Um, and then we get and so then the game, so we finish up, we finish, have a drink. It's about five o'clock, you know, dog wants to get to the get, dog wants to, um, Wants to get to the game on time. He invite. I didn't go there with the plan, with the plan, with the idea to go to the game with him. Which is why, if you saw me on Twitter, I had a black t-shirt. I had a black t-shirt and black shorts on. Didn't have any of my uh, Orioles uh, stuff on. But he invited. He invited me to the game. Went to the went to the game. Finding the bathroom was like going through a maze in that hotel. Every you know, where's the bathroom? Got to go this way. Got to go that way. Anyway, you find. I found the bathroom. Went to the bathroom, uh, got it, waited for the Uber, got into the Uber with the dog, Ubered our way up to the ballpark, and that was my first time since I probably wouldn't even I I would always say 2018, but it probably hasn't even been that soon. It's probably since 2007. Anyway, it's been two two three four years. It's been a little while, so not two years, but it's been three four years, a good little while since the last time I've actually set foot in Oriole Park and Camden Yards. For a game, and a large part of and a large part is because of the pandemic, and uh, because of the fact that the team stinks. I don't want to go spend my go spend my money to go watch a garbage subpar baseball. So I go in. So I go in, and Dog has hasn't been to Oriole Park and Camden Yards in quite a in quite a long time, and his son Colin is and his son Colin has never been. So they one and on at the ballpark. Oh wow, look at this and. And me, and me, and me, you know, I've been to Oriole Park and Canada Yards a bunch of dozens of times. I'm basically just looking for the elements and, look, and looking for things that, that weren't there the last time I was, weren't there the last time I was there. But they were going on and on and on about how wide the concourse was, how clean the concourse uh, floor was. And I was just, and me personally, I was just taking in the experience of, of, of being at a baseball game for the first time in three and three, four years. I, now I did say to myself, I did plan, I didn't plan out as far as picking a game, but I did say to myself when the season started that I somehow, some way was going to find my way to a, find my way to an Orioles game. Once I'm vaccinated and, 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 uh, and, you know, when COVID comes, you know, you, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And, you know, during COVID, you, you kind of, you miss the thing. I don't need you don't need me to tell you this. You miss the things that uh, that COVID took away from you that you took for granted prior to COVID coming along. So uh, you go you went to the games of uh, beautiful beautiful night at the uh, beautiful night at the uh, at the ballpark. Um, he got he got we got nice seats. We got to the ballpark about an hour early. I had a pulled pork sandwich from Boog's Barbecue. I've been to Oriole Park at Canyon Yards a, again a, a bunch of times, and I've never had Boog's Barbecue before. Me and Colin uh, had a nice uh, had a nice uh, pulled pork sandwich uh, on the uh, at one of the Bud at one of the Budweiser tables out there on the flag court in left field. Really, just took in took in the whole experience, took in the fact getting to the ballpark an hour early and everything else, and t- 
told dog about told shared dog with a couple of Oriole Park County Yards memories when I was in Little League and how I would walk around the infield and high five the JJ Hardys JJ Hardys the Adam Joneses the Matt Weeders of the world's uh, hand you know for the Little League day and I shared them. Uh, where and when I was game two to ALDS when the Orioles played the Tigers uh, back in the 2014 uh, postseason and, and really just took in the whole experience to be like, wow, I'm at a ball game with Christopher, with freaking Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Went to the game, enjoyed myself, uh, hung out in the stadium. You know, dog, you know, dog who did not get recognized. Um, when we were walking around, the, when we were walking around the pier, and did not get recognized when we were at the when we were inside the hotel, at least while I was there with them, um, got stopped about a got a, about a dozen times before, during, and after the game. Hey, are you Mad Dog Chris Russo? And he got you know took a selfie, signed a signed a little kid's hat and everything else. Um, and again, we got great seats, first row, right on top of the Marlins, uh, right on top of the Marlins dugout, which I, which again, I'd never sat there before. Um, first time also going to Oriole Park with the, with the Nets, with the, with the extension of the Nets. When I was there, it was just behind home plate and every, and everybody else was, uh, you know, you better keep your eye. On, you better keep your eye on the uh, on the action if you're sitting behind the dugouts because the ball could come at you at a moment's notice. With the net, you don't have to worry about that. Protecting the fans, fan safety, everything else was an absolute was a hell of a game. Now they had if I, and I went back and I I looked at it once the game was over and when I was in the Uber on the ride uh, home. I texted the dog. I was like, there was 16 combined walks in that game between the Marlins uh, and the Orioles. Jorge Lopez, who, how and why he's somehow, some way on a major league roster, I will never understand. Um, barely made it. Was uh, was struggling. I believe, I, you know, was struggling, and I do mean struggling. Getting out of the first inning, he went two. In case you care, two innings pitched, seven hits, five runs, walked two batters, gave up a home run. Really struggled the first two innings uh, of the game. But give the Orioles bullpen credit, who up until uh, up until last Wednesday had really been an Achilles heel for the Orioles all season long. Whether it's Holding leads or or not allowing the opponent to blow the game out of the water, they did an absolutely phenomenal job. Eswin came in and pitched three innings and gave up two and gave up two runs. Both of both runs, I'm not really going to fault him for because of the fact that with the bases loaded, one of them, I believe, one of them was uh, he hit he hit a batter which drove in one run, and then he and then he, and then another batter that came up, I, I believe, the next batter later had like a had like a little cheap infield single, but. But he didn't allow the big hit, which I liked. The Orioles showed some guts coming back, coming down from, uh, coming down, uh, coming, uh, coming from a, coming from a five nothing deficit in the bottom of the second inning. They put up a three spot, put up a two spot, and I was sitting there telling. Uh, Colin and Dog is like, hey, you got this team's been garbage all season long, but you give them credit. And one of the things that I've that I've uh, gotten on the Orioles' offense and their position players is the fact that I understand that they have the bad pitching, the bad starting pitching, and everything else, and it's easy for them to throw in their talent, essentially give up and put the and put the you know the eight 
eight, seven, six innings remaining in the game on cruise control and basically just not care. But you gave him credit. Now, grant the Marlins helped because their starting pitcher, uh, Holloway, uh, walked walked the ballpark, walked four batters in the game, walked uh, four walked four batters in the game. So, uh, so the Marlins' uh, poor, piss poor starting pitching helped as well. But there was a point in that game, I believe when the game was tied up at five apiece, the Orioles had scored, had scored five runs in the earlier parts of the game and it only mustered up three hits. And in a large part because that's because Trey Mancini and uh, and Pedro and Pedro Severino went deep. Mancini in the third and Severino in the second inning. And next thing you know, um, and next thing you know, the Orioles. Ha- and next thing you know, the game's tied at two. At uh, game's tied at five, heading into the top of the fourth inning. And it was and it was funny because when the or- because and then when the Marlins took the lead to make it seven five, you know, I turned to Con and I said, Well, how about my first Oral game I go to and, you know, and like in, in three, four years, how about they how about they walk how about they walk off the Marlins? You know, how about first game my first game back at Oriole Park, how about they walk them off? He was like he was he laughed off was like, oh, it could happen and then uh and then the bottom of the ninth inning comes along and then the bottom of the ninth inning comes along, of course the throwing error with the with the, with the Marlins first baseman Orioles ended up tying the game in the bottom of the eighth inning and then the top and then the bottom of the ninth comes along after you know Mullins Mullins um what did Mullins do uh I believe there wasn't a single uh let me go back and look uh bottom of the I don't want do I want no I don't want scoring I want um, I won. Okay, so and then you go to the bottom of the ninth. Every there was not a there was one ball put in play in the bottom of the ninth inning. And prior to and prior to the bottom of the ninth inning, I was like, I believe it was either once Mullins got on base. It was sometime. It was I I called it and I turned to Con and I said it'd be very fitting that a game that has featured nine million walks and a bunch of full counts and. The bullpens have been worked to death. You know, it'd be, how ironic would it be if this game ends on a walk-off walk? Lo and behold, bottom of the ninth inning, uh, Cedric Mullins gets a leadoff walk. Wild pitch moves Mullins up the winning run up to second base. Uh, Austin Hayes moves him up 90 feet to third base on a sacrifice bunt. The only ball put in play, the only uh, at-bat in which a ball was put in play. Uh, during the, that bottom of the ninth thing was a sacrifice bunt by Hayes. They intentionally walked Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle back-to-back to load up the bases for Ryan McKenna, who was the hero against the Nationals a few days before on Sunday. In which he in which he scored the in which he scored the game winning walk off run to complete the three game weekend series sweep of the Nationals uh, two weekends two weekends ago uh, up at the uh, at the uh, ballpark that forever changed baseball. So the guy that scored the game winning run on uh, on Sunday, which at which last Wednesday was uh, was three days ago, comes up to the plate. Draws a draws a walk off walk. Orioles win the Orioles win the game by the final score of eight to seven. Sixteen combined walks between the two teams and the player that and the outside of Holloway who stunk up the joint. The starting pitcher Okert comes in, uh, works works gets one batter out. That was Hayes. Gives up the run. Of course, the walk off walk to McKenna and walks four batters. Walk the ballpark. Walk. The ballpark, but hey, 
first Oriole game in a few years. You get to see the Orioles win. You got to see them walk it off, albeit be it a walk. But you take a, but you take the Orioles winning when you're in attendance. Any chance uh, you can get it. And my first game being back there in quite a long time. An excellent experience going to the game with the dog sitting in the fr- sitting in the front row, uh, sitting at front row right behind the third base dugout. Uh, phenomenal experience, phenomenal day, phenomenal night, a day that I will never soon forget, and and something that I want to do, and something that I want to do uh, sometime within the near future, whether it's in Baltimore, up in his neck of the woods in New York, doesn't matter as long as I get the chance to do it again, um, I'll be satisfied. Phenomenal dog, what you see is what you get with dog. Uh, when he's not on the radio and not in that radio broadcaster setting. He's as genuine and he, and he is as real, and, you know. He is as he is as real as uh, as Ashley Graham's booty. I put it to you like that. Um, but you, what you see is what you get with the with the great Chris Russo and Colin as a hell of a kid um, as well. He also phenomenal guy, uh, you know. And dog, another thing was dog was that. How about Colin? You know, hey Colin, a hell of a kid. Hey Colin, a good guy. I'm like dog. Dog, I've met Colin before. I've had him on. I've had him on the podcast twice. I've talked to him face to face via Zoom. We text each other and DM each other back and forth. We have been for the I think for the better part of the of the last year or so. I I I know a I know who Colin is. B I know what type of person he is. I know he's a, and I know he's a good guy. So he was just I mean he it was it was almost I mean it was almost as if it was almost as if it's like I was a girl. I was a girl. I was I was I was a girl and and it, it was a girl that Colin was bringing over to the Russo household and when. And when Khan was, you know, off, off on his own, dog goes to the girl and he says, uh, "How about how's Khan? Khan's out of a guy. Uh, how about you and Khan and Restow? I get get getting mixed. I mean, that's that's what it felt like. But it, and that's 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 his shtick. That's his thing. But anyway, it was it was funny. It was uh, it was entertaining and uh, and uh, and everything else. Um, also, another thing before I wrap this up and before. We close out the show. Before I forget, it was the bottom of the, it was two things. First off, when we got to the game, um, when we got to the game, uh, I got out the Uber and got to the uh, got to the box office. You know, with COVID and everything, now they give you a QR code that you scan on your phone and you get into the game that way instead of the traditional ticket stub, which I which I which I absolutely love and I hope doesn't go away at the result of COVID because there's nothing like having that that physical ticket stuff and that physical proof that you were that you were live in person at a at a uh, at a at a sporting event. But anyway, because of COVID, you know, you got on the QR code. So so and of course, you know, and he get and he got set up with the tickets because of his job with the MLB network and everything else. But um, but he got the t- so we have to go up to the box office to get the uh, to get essentially the tickets and re- uh, reimburse to us so we all can have so we all can have the tickets and we can go in and we can go in there and you know get the get the ticket scan and go into the ballpark and chill out and everything else. So while he said so so they so the woman behind the glass at the at the warehouse um, at the warehouse at Oreo Park and the ticket office. Said, um, you know, I got to see your phone so you, you know you can get your tickets, so you can find out where you're saying everything else. So if you ever been to a box office, you you notice that, and this is this has been happening prior to COVID, that the person that's in the box office is is standing behind is standing behind the glass, 
And if you look on the glass, there's a silver piece that's right smack dab in the middle of the glass, and that's the microphone that you that they that the person in the tick in the box office and the person on the outside of the box office they talk into so they can so they can hear so they can hear the box office person better. So essentially, the box office microphone is smack dab in the middle of the screen. Though the I believe it was either lady or man doesn't matter. But the box office person's like, ah, oh, let me see, let me, you know, I need to see your tickets. Mad Dog goes on his phone to pull up the tickets. And he puts his phone directly onto the microphone piece on the smack dab in the middle of the of the of the of the box office glass. He could have put he could have put his phone many different ways. He puts it directly up to the box office microphone piece right smack dab in the, in the middle of the glass. And Colin's like, Dad, no. You don't, Dad, come on. You don't do that. She can't see it if you have it right up against the microphone piece. You gotta slide it underneath the glass so she can see it. And me and me and Colin were laughing at dog and giving him a hard time. It was like, these kids at the South House, my goodness gracious, give him a chance. Give me a break. Jay Wedge. Um, so that so that was funny. And then the last thing, and then we'll uh, say goodbye as far as this program is concerned, is that, um, and the funniest thing was that at the bottom of the sixth inning, um, Dog turns to Colin for whatever the reason, turns to Colin and he's like, think, because you know, because you know how Mad Dog Russo is, he's a bit, he loves, he loves the history, um, especially the history of sports and everything else. And of course, he knows that Khan's never been to Baltimore. He, so he turns to Khan and he says, I'm so I'm setting the picture. I'm sitting in the middle. Khan's sitting to my left and Russo and Mad Dog sitting to my right. And he and Mad Dog turns to Khan and he says, think about the great Baltimore. Uh, think about the great athletes that played in the city of Baltimore during the 1960s. And he's going through them left and right. And then he brings up. Gino Marchetti, who was the great, uh, who was the great defensive lineman for the Baltimore Colts back in the day, and all of a sudden, and all, and he goes waxing poetic about Gino Marchetti, and Colin, you know, plays it down like, I Gino Marchetti, ah, who the hell is that guy? Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald's where he's at. He's not Aaron Donald. So then that gets dog all annoyed. So and then he asks, he's like, pull out your phone and pull up Gino Marchetti's stats. And starts going through G Gino Marchetti's biography right in the middle of a baseball game. Starts going through Gino Marchetti's Gino Marchetti's bio and Gino Marchetti's stats right in the middle of a baseball game. Pulls out his <laughs> pulls out his blue glasses out of his pocket and starts I swear it was almost as if like it was a it was a live episode of Bad Dog Unleashed happening right in the middle of the ballpark. And, and he's and he's literally going through with with my phone about like two inches from his face, going through Gino Marchetti's uh stats and then comparing him to Aaron Donald. Colin Roos it was there was a quite a few highlights of my day last Wednesday. Walking around the pier and spending a little time in that in that hotel lounge area, uh, the the experience of going to my first Orioles game in three and four years, but by far one of my favorite moments of last Wednesday night was Matt, was Christopher Mad Dog Russo and his nineteen year old son Colin getting into a debate. 
in the middle of a baseball game between the the Miami Marlins and the Baltimore Orioles getting into an argument over who is better who is who is a better uh defensive lineman and a better pass rusher Gino Marchetti or Aaron Donald hilarious and absolutely fascinating hell of a day a day that I will ne- not soon for- forget and and a day that I if you if you if if it was such a thing I'd hop in the time machine ASAP and relive that day from about four from four o'clock to from four o'clock to ten forty five when the game was over would relive that day in a heartbeat. Relive it, hell of a day. Chris Russo and Colin Russo, great phenomenal human beings, and hopefully, uh, and hopefully uh, within the next uh, year or so, you know, Dog promised me that trip. Up to hopefully he'll be in the New York studios by then. Promise me that trip, so I can go out there and see how the sausage is made up in Manhattan at the Sirius Studios, and get to see how the great Chris Russo lives at the compound in New Canaan, Connecticut. Hopefully that will occur within the next year. But it was fantastic having uh having the doggy and Colin in my city that I call home. And that is your program. Another episode of the Amitel Like I Tell You is podcast in the books. Longest segment was me telling that story of dog, but it was worth it. If you like what you heard, please subscribe if you haven't already. If you're new to the program, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on, on Twitter at Amitel T I at T. For whatever reason, I can't figure out their own freaking uh, Twitter handle to my own show. So I'm gonna get it. So I'm gonna get it to you right here. Um, standby. Uh, let's see. The tw- the Instagram handle is at Amatelit underscore podcast, and the Twitter handle is at Amatel underscore it T I S. There you go. It's your boy Josh Shields. We'll talk to you Wednesday. See ya. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs>